All right, folks, welcome along to another episode of Talk and Pace, the restorative conversations podcast from Northern Ireland Alternatives. Today, I am joined by Debbie Hamill and Stacey Graham, and we're going to be talking about, about a new project here at Alternatives called Bond. So great to have you along, ladies. Thank you. Thank you, Glenn. Not a problem at all. Debbie, what we'll do is we'll just start with you, and maybe you could give us a wee bit of background as to what this whole project called Bond is and what it's about. Okay, yep. Thanks, Glenn. The BAM project stands for Build, Advocate, Nurture and Develop. And it is a leadership program for young, inspiring or aspiring leaders within PEL communities. So it has three key strands, which is um, thematic training. We have uh, peer mentoring and mentoring and experiential learning as well. So the programme is designed just to build capacity within people living and working or volunteering within Protestant communities and just helping to build upon the skills that they've already got. So where did that, that kind of programme come from then? Was, was there something that was happening within the work at Alternatives that highlighted a need for this? Yeah, in short, absolutely. Um, I think just in terms of the programmes that we work on and that we deliver tend to be very much responding to issues within the community. And there's been some things, I think, to be honest, that we've maybe neglected in terms of helping to build the capacity of those that are already embedded and working within their areas to help promote Protestant culture, Protestant ethos. I think the loyalism has become a bit of a, a mixed term for some people. Mm. And we really wanted just to make sure that we were using it within a very positive aspect and narrative. Okay. No, and I think that that's definitely evident in terms of the way even just media portrayal and stuff uh, mm-hmm. over the last you know, sort of last year to two years and stuff in terms of how you know they, they deal with the word loyalism and it almost seems interchangeable with a whole range of other things and, and I think sometimes that can come across as maybe confusion for people as mm-hmm. well, you know, so it's good that there's programs out there that are maybe bringing some clarity to that. In terms of what you've done so far, You've mentioned there that there was a number of different strands that are attached. What have you done so far in regards to those particular strands that you've mentioned? Okay. First of all, in terms of participants and recruitments, it has been opened. Okay. So we're we're province-wide as opposed to just being Belfast-centric. We wanted to make sure that we were capturing the balance between urban and rural in terms of leadership within Protestant communities and also trying to get as many females that we have on board. So the likes of having Stacey as one of the, the key members in the group has been absolutely fantastic because Stacey's bringing a wealth of knowledge with her um, as well. So, for example, in terms of then the strands, we have thematic training. So we have held a training seminar in December last year focusing primarily on leadership styles, leadership themes, personal branding, I think, which has been really key aspect within this in terms of who we are as individuals and what we represent within our own identities and our mm-hmm. own communities. But also when you come together collectively then, what does what does that look and feel like if you're saying you're part of a, 
a leadership programme that is positively trying to promote and enhance loyalism. The We're also doing a number of training themes around practical matters and issues. So, for example, critical analysis, research development. Um, participants are also involved in a research project at the minute. So it's questionnaires, it's interviewing skills. We are hoping to do some media training, which might come in handy for future things like this and podcasting, for mm-hmm. example. Yeah. And how you can actively communicate then with a wider audience. In terms of peer mentoring, participants are connecting primarily with each other. And then we've had a number of guest speakers that have come in and met with the participants as well. That opens up networking opportunities and opportunities then for collaboration and ideas about different maybe social justice projects that the group have been talking about as well and something that we can follow up on. And that in turn then leads into the experiential learning. So, for example, at the minute, um, the group members have already been involved in a podcast of their own. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have... We've recently done a trip to a number um, of different groups and organisations that are working in terms of community development and regeneration as well. Okay, cool. So there's there's quite a lot going on then with the programme. How long has the yeah. programme been up and running so far? So Glenn, it started before COVID. And to be honest with you, when COVID hit, it was just a bit difficult just to try and get yeah. the you know a large cohort together. So at the minute we have... We're working with the core of 20. Right. Um, again, province-wide, as I've said, age range is working from 18 up to 30, 31. Okay. So it's, it's quite diverse, but it's still it's still that age where there wasn't really a lot happening. When you had asked me at the start, just in terms of identifying the need for the programme, a lot of leadership programmes are for young people, maybe still at school age. Mm-hmm. But we're trying to develop young leaders that are working in professional capacity sure. in terms of building up their skills and their knowledge. Okay. And how long is the programme due to last for then? Ooh. <laughs> um, so at the minute, it will fi- finish on the 31st of March. Okay. Look, we're really hopeful that um, given the work, the commitment from the participants, um, we are hoping that it will be extended. Okay. okay. So at the minute, we're just in that that sort of dry area where we're trying to think about where we're going to source funding from, etc. Um, but hopefully, hopefully. Okay. So in terms of whenever you were going through the, the COVID thing and stuff, w- did you still, you're obviously still operating to some degree during that period? I mean, the recruiting process probably took a bit longer just in terms of, sure. of COVID and trying to get people engaged. There was a lot of preparatory work around it in terms of introducing members. They just that wouldn't have known each other. We've been very specific in terms of trying to engage people who maybe have just been on the fringes of leadership programmes within their area. Sure. So there was some work done in the background in terms of building people's confidence um, and assertiveness around it. I should say to you that the development of the programme and the training and the thematic areas that the participants are involved in, they have helped to shape. Mm-hmm. So that's a really key aspect in terms of we had an idea about the types of training that we wanted to do. So leadership, self-awareness, self-care, um, mentoring, etc., etc. But it's really important that the participants have taken on some of that themselves. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
One of the other things that you mentioned there, I think it'd be good to kind of expand on a bit. You mentioned the need for it not to be Belfast-centric and that there being an inclusion in regards to rural areas. Why is that so important, specifically with a project that's focusing in around the PEL community? Look, there's so much happening outside of Belfast within um, different areas, for example, bands, forums, um, different community projects, and we could learn a lot from them. I think there's always this view that if it's not happening in Belfast, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. So wrong. My eyes have been completely opened. Some of the work that's happening, for example, in and around Portadown, Macrofelt, Londonderry, um, Bangor, Carrick, Larne, is just incredible. You know, proper grassroots leadership, programs and development, they're covering sport, they're covering women's groups, they're covering... Um, educational additional needs programs Mm -hmm. so yeah i think definitely in terms of making sure that we're capturing the positives that are happening in those areas and what are the lessons that we can be using across across the board sure and how do you think that's been benefiting the participants in the group then because there is such a wide range of people i think well look the participants themselves so I, i will paraphrase some of the feedback that's came um, has been around people who are working within rural areas feel that they have been left behind and that they're quite often forgot about mm-hmm. and part of this program is to say well actually you're not we really value your opinion we really value your input um, in terms of leadership within loyalism within a broader sense we just want to make sure that it's more of a collective voice so having the different participants representative from those different areas I think has given them value to the work that they're already doing. I hope it gives them opportunities that they can expand their network base and their collaboration base. Um, yeah, all positive. Yeah, and you were saying though that it, it's duty end March. Yes. Right. <laughs> so how is how is that kind of culminating then in terms of leading up to the end of March? Because obviously we're recording this; it's near the end of February. So you have about four or five weeks left of stuff. What's coming up in those four to five weeks that are going to be sort of those tangible results that you've been you've been aiming towards um we are still working i mean personal development plans have been ongoing throughout the program so we're making sure that they're being we're meeting the needs of the participants in terms of not only their individual learning but some of the the group learning that they're they're involved in as well um we're working on something that's top secret. I actually can't tell you at the minute, but we will come back. Well, that's just a bit of a tease. Though, I know, isn't it? You I know, know. It's one of those so things that's saying, we've we'll got have... something great going on, but here, wink, wink. You yeah. can't tell you a thing <laughs> yeah. about it. <laughs> and I genuinely mean that. So, um, yes, the group are working on something that, that's going to be really great. And if you come back or you invite us back in April, then we'll be able to tell you all about it. Brilliant. Well, that's always good to line up another episode there. So well done for inviting yourself back on. Like, you know, so. <laughs> although so your operations as managing going over to want, like, so. <laughs> Brilliant. And then what, in terms of what you've seen happening in regards to the programme and, and the activities and all, what's, what have been some of the standout moments for you? Um, oh my goodness, there's been many. I think in terms of participants who wouldn't be used to actually leading on workshops and delivering part of the programme themselves, mm-hmm. it's definitely, um, has definitely been very, very worthwhile. I think actually 
the group connecting and seeing the friendships and the relationships that have been building just within that cohort. Mm-hmm. They're nuts, I've got to tell you, like <laughs> the banter and the crack. Um, but I think just in terms of, yeah, I mean, general things, you know, in, engaging in training where even I'm self-reflecting in terms of how I work and how I engage. Mm-hmm. I always take opportunities like this when I'm involved in programs to learn from the others that I'm in the room with. And I think in terms of their background experience or volunteering experience, what they're doing within their respective organisations, even just their general outlook and personalities have all been fed into, into the mix. And I think that can only enrich in the experience for everybody that's involved, okay. including me. Brilliant. Do you think that maybe for somebody on the outside looking in, the, the work that's been going on with these young aspiring leaders would challenge people's perceptions of what leadership looks like in the PEL community? Absolutely. And if it doesn't, there's something there's something not right. 100%. I think in terms of, and Stacey will maybe pick this up, I think in terms of representation of young leaders within PEL stroke loyalism, a, is it completely undervalued, I think, demonised and underrepresented. Um, we're talking about, you can, you can be a, a big leader in terms of visually um, available and seen in terms of social media, for example. But we've also got young people on this that aren't on those aspects, but the, the impact that they're having at a grassroots level is completely second to none. If anybody listening to this would like to know more in terms of that finer bit of detail and finer um, pieces of work that they're involved in, we'd be more than happy for people to make contact. Brilliant. Good. That'd be good to do. And I think maybe what we'll try and do is, you know, we'll do a follow-up on the podcast that we've done previously with the group because I think what we've done was we had a conversation right it's near the, the beginning of some training that we're doing, you know, just talking about what they, they initially had got out of the initial contact and stuff. And I think it'd be good to follow up with the, the group in terms of saying, well, listen, how's this impacting you on the ground, you know, in terms of the work that you're doing, groups that you're working with and so on. I think that that's always useful to have. The last question I have for you, Debbie, just in regards to this is obviously alternatives basic premise around our work is restorative where does this fit into the restorative aspect of the work of alternatives i mean the restorative um approach is completely underpinning the program in terms of um the young people that are involved young leaders should i say sorry that are involved in it in terms of what they're bringing back into their community in terms of what we've, spoke, we've said there about, I suppose, um, reframing who and what a loyalist spokesperson, leadership mm-hmm. person um, is and how they work. I mean, in terms of examples around restorative work and restorative interventions, they're doing that in the workshops that they're, um, that they're participating in. The training that they're engaged in is around restorative sort of interventions, it's mediation, it's conflict transfer conflict transformation. Um, it's how you effectively communicate with somebody. Um, and it's about bringing those skills back into their community. But can I also say back into their home life? Not everything mm. is work related. Yeah. So it's about mm-hmm. making sure as well that how you're operating and how you're you're engaging. Um, it's not just within a an open working environment. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I think the, the, the key things that come out there, whenever I hear what you're saying, uh, is that, you know, the, there's this element of the building of relationships, you know, the, mm-hmm. the fact that we're bringing people from a wide range of backgrounds, areas, etc. you know, and building relationships is always a key part of the whole, the restorative process. And then that helps us maintain our sense of community. It maintains mm-hmm. what we think are our community norms or helps us promote what our community norms uh, are. And then as a result, of that, we're addressing needs within the community, whether that's hurt and harm or whether that's, you know, access to services, whether that's advocating on behalf of particular groups and so on. I think that those are all key things that, you know, that we, we work towards within the in the restorative world. And it's great to hear those coming out in regards to what, what you guys are doing as part of Bond. So I'll move across to, to Stacey now. And uh, Stacey, um, you've been a participant on the programme um, for the duration. And uh, be good for us to maybe find out one what motivated you to get involved in this specifically um aside from the fact that debbie waters was like this is definitely for you Uh this is definitely for for young loyalists um for me and it's something that debbie already touched on it was about trying to empower young loyalists um and trying to give people the confidence in loyalist communities to speak up and challenge the negative stereotypes that we often see in the media uh, and elsewhere um for me personally, it was more about a confidence thing, okay. um, taking opportunities to try and build my own confidence, develop my skills and my knowledge around different areas, particularly media training. Um, but really the thing that underpinned it is trying to challenge myself, put myself out, outside of the, my box and, and trying to grow myself in, in, in many ways. And how has that worked on the programme for you then? So obviously those are aims that you've had going in. How has the programme addressed those for you specifically? It's been great. It's been really, really good. We've had opportunities, again, Debbie had said about networking, we've had opportunities to sort of set our stall out and challenge those stereotypes. Here's what we are, here's what we're about. Um, In terms of my own personal sort of development as well, it's, again, just getting myself out of that comfort zone, having different people, again, province-wide. The group that we have now, I agree with Debbie, I think that we have just gelled so, so well, and there are people in it that I I would regard as friends for life now. Um, and obviously a few of the members are part of Let's Talk Loyalism, and that was a really good opportunity for us to sort of get together. We'd done our own podcast, and even that was a learning experience for Mm -hmm. me. Um, So every experience I've had has been really, really positive, and just trying to sort of build on that. Okay, because you've had some negative experiences in terms of, one, how you're viewed in the community, how you've been viewed on, on social media and stuff. Has this put a bit of a... A further backbone on you to kind of one to stand your ground but two also to maybe communicate your message more effectively absolutely um the negative experience that i have had in the past um has really knocked me um experiences before i even got to sit down with journalists and people from the media the first thing they would always say we're, we're going to talk about criminality we're going to talk about all the negative things that you see in society everywhere but somehow because i was a loyalist they went straight for the jugular and wanted mm. me to address everything that had ever happened um, within loyalism. Um, and that really, really knocked me. It really, for weeks, it was reluctant to even do anything with the media. But doing the stuff with band and having sort of that wee core group, even just support and sort of vibing off everybody and having those conversations and building each other up and building each other's confidence, it's really, really helped. So did you find that that in impacted any inter- further interaction that you did have with the media or with other sources in regards to that? Did this support network that was there 
and you know help you change your approach maybe in terms of how you you look towards them Yes, for one, I think I was a bit more selective of who, right, okay. <laughs> of who I spoke to. Right. Um, but again, it's about having those networks and connections and talking to people and, and knowing who to go to and who, who to speak to and mm-hmm. knowing how you were going to get a really good experience. I mean, the positive f- experiences that I've had with the media, I've already had a relationship with that person. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, touching on building relationships is so, so important. It really is. Um, I was just talking today about two media experiences I had in the one day in the morning was with someone and the girl really took the time to get to know me and vice versa felt really comfortable with her and it reflected in the interview because Mm -hmm. I felt really comfortable and I felt confident to articulate the message that I wanted to articulate but again that afternoon was with another guy um, and he was wasn't rude but just didn't have that same connection or didn't make that that effort uh-huh. and again that reflected in the interview so i think it's just we learn and we things like that yeah i think it's it's so important though whenever you, you know we talk a lot about this in regards you know in the training that i deliver here that there's a lot of you know emphasis on connection before content mm-hmm. and i think that that's a phrase that that a, a, a previous guest on the podcast coined, you know, Mark Finnis, and he talks a lot about connection before content, but it's so true that if you don't have a connection with someone, your content's going to suffer yeah. as a result of it. Yeah. And I think that there's maybe been a reluctance for the wider community and the media at large as well to actually really connect with yeah. young voices within yeah. the loyalist community. And as a result of that, there's an alienation yeah. that comes that, you know, we don't want to speak to you, but and yet all they want to do is focus on the thing that they do have a connection with, which is all that negative side yeah. of things. And it's so hard to break. It's that catch-22, though, because if you don't engage, you're not going to get your message out there. Mm-hmm. So I think we, within loyalism, need to take responsibility as well and put ourselves out there and... And just try and navigate that sort of media system in, in, a, in a better way. Yeah, I suppose there's an element where you can start maybe calling your own shots there, isn't mm-hmm. there? It's like kind of going, listen, I'm quite prepared to have a chat with you, but I'd on rather be... On my got, terms. Yeah, on my yeah. terms, but also I'd like you to get to know who I am first yeah. before you even think about, you know, sitting down and hitting the tape recorder on or the, the yeah. voice recorder on. Let's, you know, find out who I am and let me do the same for you. Let me find out who you are because I'm sure yeah. that's going to be mutually beneficial for you. What are some of the things that have stood out for you in regards to the programme then? What, what, what kind of things do you think come to mind when you go, I'm really glad that I did that? And you can say Debbie Hamill Debbie if you want. Debbie signaling herself here in the background. Maybe. <laughs> no pressure there at all to mention anybody's name whatsoever. It's just as well this isn't on video, folks, because you would have got really funny. So. <laughs> I was talking about throwing people on the bus earlier there as well. (laughs) No, again, Debbie, I know we're laughing, but I do. I think it's those relationships. Again, we were talking about it. That underpins everything. If you don't have a good relationship or don't make good connections, I don't think you're going to get half as much out of it as what you would. Um, But for me, I think it's increasing my own confidence. I struggle with confidence massively. Um, and any opportunity that I can get to sort of try and build on that mm-hmm. um, with the support of Debbie and everyone else within the band group, I think is really good. Have you had a concrete example of your confidence being increased as a result of it? This, <laughs> doing this right now, <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it, I. <laughs> See, 
I, I must really hate it very well because yeah. anytime I say about my confidence being like I suffer with anxiety, low self esteem sometimes, that wee devil on your shoulder telling you yeah. that you're not good enough, I think mm. I really struggle. I think everybody does to an mm. extent, but um, no, I think everybody's been so supportive and really, really good. Yeah. And I think the Bond project has been excellent in trying to recognizing that there are really, really good people within PUL communities. Mm-hmm. And just giving them the time and the space to grow, I think, has just been amazing. Cool, because one of the things that you're pointing out there, though, is really important. Confidence isn't always external. Mm-hmm. You know, what you say can sound mm-hmm. uh, as confident and as clear as you would like it to. It's the internal feelings yeah. that go yeah. on as a result of that. You know what I mean? It's what's, what you're processing on the inside. Because I know, you know, that there's times whenever... People would say, oh, God, you sounded really confident there. Like, can I go on? If you had heard what was going on in my yeah. mind or the process that I was trying to work myself through while I was trying to talk, like, there was, I, I'm surprised that I got words out. There's been yeah. times that I felt like that, you know. I'm sure that's maybe similar for yourself then. A, a, a lot of the time, yeah, yeah. I beat myself up about something. And then once I do it, like, even now, I actually am quite enjoying this, but had Debbie said to me a week ago, right, you're doing it next week, I'd have thought about it at every waking minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, just try and put yourself in that comfort zone. And if you have a good support network around you, building on the good things and the positive things about yeah. yourself then. So in terms, obviously, the program's coming to any end in terms of March. Obviously, there's the hope that we may be able to continue on with well, it. We're hoping just to gap, just like just the- a- yeah, a pause. A hiatus. All right. Yeah, we might just have, yeah, a little spring clean. Are we, are we, what about you? And then let's get going again. I <laughs> so, um, well, okay. So, all right. So the program's going to have a wee pause. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and uh, but what are you, what are you hoping that by the, the end of March that you're walking away with, not just in terms of your confidence, but in terms of some tangible stuff? relationships again I know I keep saying this but I just think it's so so important having those connections and building on that um and whether or not bands here we now have that wee group where and we have been we've been bouncing ideas off each other Mm. we're doing projects outside of band together um just again instilling that sort of network and that wee community where we can then go out into our respective areas and and learn from each other okay so there has been an element of capacity building then Mm -hmm. as a result of this you know so regardless of whether the program exists in whatever shape or form, that there's some long-term yeah. results that have come out of this in regards to the one you're saying, the relationships there and the work and the crossover um, kind of work that you're trying to do with the, the other participants yeah. that, are, that are on the project. So in terms of maybe summing, summing this up, Debbie, what would you say the benefit this has been to not just alternatives, but to the waiter community? Primarily focusing on the positives, okay, because Stacey made a really excellent point there in terms of being contacted, but only being contacted when something goes wrong within loyalism. Mm -hmm. You're asked to give your opinion in terms of leadership. What are you doing when things go wrong? We don't get contacted to say, look, listen, could you tell us something amazing that's happening within your community or your group? Uh And that's the purpose of doing this. It's the purpose of actually doing podcasts. It's the purpose of why we've included... Um, analytical skills, why we're doing the research project, why we're incorporating media training and public speaking is around let's get ourselves out there and tell our story in terms of the positive aspects yeah. 
um, positive engagement rather than just waiting on something going wrong and somebody phoning and saying, listen, could you give us a sound bite about rioting that's happened up the road? Yeah. No. We want to be making sure, sure that what's happening on the ground that's benefiting not only the participants and me, um, but the community at large mm-hmm. um, in terms of here is positive news stories. Here is, I mean, if, we, if we're not nurturing, I know this sounds really cheesy and I do apologise in advance, but if we are not nurturing the passion that people have in terms of making their communities better, safer, more welcoming, enriching just in terms of how people see themselves and value themselves, what, what's the point? You know, so it's, yeah, rant over, sorry. <laughs> you know, but it's just about yeah. just, you know, less of the negativity. Let's just highlight, promote, celebrate yeah. what works well. If it's working well in this community, Let's please take that. it in your own. Absolutely. Yeah. Because one of the things that, it, that I've heard a lot is that, you know, that the voice of loyalism hasn't really changed. And I would always argue and say, well, listen, your questions haven't changed. You know, yeah, so you, you, it's yeah. if you want to find something new, why don't you change the questions that you're actually asking? You know, stop asking the same thing over and over again because all you're going to get is the stereotypical yeah. response if you're just asking the same questions. And that's where this connection thing comes to. So if you be prepared to have a real conversation, if you have a real conversation, it will get beyond. I don't want to dismiss stuff as fluff, but you'll get beyond what is the surface level and actually find out what's really going on. Because I think that's, I think loyalism's crying out for, for that, to be honest with you, to find out what's really going on. Because not none of that stuff, the great stuff that's that's happening in communities gets a look in. It doesn't get a look in ageways against other things. But and without going into the us and them type of thing, but there are there are certain elements within the community where, you know, a pin drop on a scene is a good thing and there's media coverage for everything under the sun, you know, where we can't get a look in edgeways, you know. So yeah. so it's great that you guys are challenging that. So happy days. We're looking forward to hearing how more of that comes about in terms of where the where the guys go in the future and hopefully whatever this top secret thing is um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll hear a bit more about that and that will ensure that the what's happened over the last year or so that the, the program's been running it's left more of a, of a legacy than just here there's been a nice wee program that's happened because yeah. I'm sure that's not what you're looking for either no not at all um, we went into this hoping that it would be extended um, and look, we're really hopeful. Can't say too much, but look, we are. We're really hopeful. Brilliant. Well, listen, I just want to say thanks very much for taking the time out to share a wee bit about you. the program and what about what's you, going on. I can give you some feedback, like no tea, coffee, biscuits. What's going on? It's a podcast. <laughs> it's not a cafe. No, well, listen, folks. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And uh, folks, make sure you tune in for the next episode of Talking Peace when we'll have more guests and all talking about other programs and other events that are happening here at Alternative. So, until the next time, look after yourselves and take it easy. <laughs>